2: This is the Cork Today replay on C103. And a very good Tuesday morning to you as we welcome you along to the program we've got John Paul taking your calls at 1850 333 103 and you can text our WhatsApp us to 0862 103 103 and at the close of the program yesterday we had some calls in from listeners wondering when would 40 year olds plus those in the early 40s be able to register for their COVID-19 vaccine and the good news came through yesterday afternoon that the registration for 40 44-year-olds opens from tomorrow. It was announced yesterday by the Minister for Health, Stephen Donnelly. Same as they've done for those in their 60s and those in their 70s Are those in their 50s, should I say. It will kick off with the 44-year-olds being allowed to register tomorrow, Wednesday. 43-year-olds on Thursday, 42-year-olds on Friday, 40-year-olds on Saturday. And if you've turned 40 in the last year, you'll be able to register on the hse.ie. You'll be able to do that from uh, Sunday. And also some further good news on the rollout of the vaccines in that pharmacists are finally... And I say finally because pharmacists have been looking to do this for quite some time. It looks like they're going to become involved in the COVID-19 vaccination uh, programme and it's going to be from early this month. So within the coming week or two, we can expect your local pharmacist might be where your pharmacy may be the place you'll be going to to get your jab. There's about a thousand pharmacists. They're all fully trained. All of them now, I take it at this stage, are fully vaccinated. So they're ready to go. These are the pharmacists that have already done really well when it comes to the rollout of vaccines. Most of these pharmacists would have been involved, for example, in the last number of years in the rollout of the flu jab. So they have everything in place. They have the services in place. They have the training and they have the know-how. So it was good to hear uh, Stephen Donnelly saying that pharmacists now are going to start getting involved. And he also said that it's going to be particularly important if you live in an area where you don't live, anywhere near a vaccination centre. But you do have a local pharmacist in your nearest village or in your local uh, town because we certainly have seen upset from some of our listeners when they were asked to travel outside of their area and indeed outside of their county to go and get a vaccine. And many were saying, if you can't go to your local GP, then why can't we go down the road to our local pharmacist? So your pharmacy may be uh, starting to administer vaccines. So certainly that is uh, good news. We now have officially more than half of the adult population in this country have received the first dose of the vaccine we're, we're now up to 2.7 million injections and only last week we were celebrating the fact that we hit the 2 millionth 2 millionth vaccine we've now gone to 2.7 uh, just 2% of cases proving that the vaccination program is working just 2% of the cases in the last 14 days have been in people over the age of 65 and nearly 80% of all cases now are in the 45 or younger age group. And the 45 or younger age group, they are the people who are out and about socialising at the weekend. And there's a real divide now between people saying the younger people are right to be out and about, they have been locked up for so long, and then we've others saying we're living in the middle of a pandemic. What are these guys and gals thinking about they shouldn't be gathering in huge crowds. And yesterday, we had a huge reaction to what people had seen over the weekends, the scenes here in Cork. We also saw it in Dublin. It was in uh, Galway. And uh, a lot of people very, very upset, particularly, I think, when Tony Houlihan got involved in it and when he started tweeting at the weekend how shocked he was to see the crowds that had gathered in uh, Dublin. And yesterday not just here on this programme, I think every radio programme probably in the country, lots of people were calling and saying, look, we're heading into a bank holiday weekend. If we saw what happened at the weekend, if that's going to be replicated next weekend on a bank holiday weekend, the numbers could even be higher with the amount of people that might decide to go out and about. But we know that bars and restaurants for outdoor dining will not start until the Monday of the bank holiday. So lots of people were saying, why don't they decide to open it early, maybe open it on Friday? It's certainly, I think the hospitality industry would be very pleased because they'd get an extra weekend of trade, but it would be more organised then and people would have a place to go. Well, Leo Yesterday came out very much ruling out the reopening in bars of restaurants for outdoor uh, dining anyway earlier than what has been uh, planned. The Thornish said. Now, he did admit that the cabinet had to- toyed around with the possibility of reopening bars and restaurants earlier, but he said. We made a decision on it and we're not going to change it now. The decision stands. It is Monday of next week, the Monday of the bank uh, holiday. The cabinet made the decision and they are sticking with it. He also then went on, and I'm sure people got annoyed with Leo for this. He went on then to say, sure, look, we don't really need to worry about next weekend because he said it appears that the weather for the bank holiday weekend isn't going to be very good. And he said, well, that's unfortunate for people who might want to have a bit of a holiday or a bit of a break over the bank holiday weekend. He said it's probably a good thing in, ter- in terms of people congregating outside because a lot of people said the reason that so many people were out and about last weekend was that it was the first fine weekend. of the the summer and we've had a miserable May and people haven't been able to get out and about so that was one of the reasons why probably more people went out and Leo said "Sure, look we don't need to worry about next weekend it's going to be raining people will be staying indoors now he did go actually to call on Dublin City Council to provide more bins and public toilets and we're going to be discussing that do we need to take a look at how people socialise outside and do we need to start taking a more common sense approach to this outdoor summer that we're hearing the government Government telling us we need to do, and we're hearing Neffert saying that that's what we need to do. But in fairness to Dublin City Council, they were quickly in when the finger was pointed at them, saying, Look, guys, it's your own fault that there was rubbish all over the streets. You don't have enough bins and it's your own fault that people are going down laneways to relieve themselves. You don't have enough public uh, toilets. The Dublin City Council came out yesterday and they said that adding more bins would just increase the number of people that come into the city centre. And I quote from a guy called Colin O'Reilly and he's the Dublin City Council's Director of City Recovery. And he said, if we supply more toilets and more bins, does that bring more people in? Do we end up with a bigger public health issue it's a very difficult situation to manage. So their argument is don't put out any more bins, don't put out any more public toilets because if we do that the crowds will only come. Making the point that that's exactly what we are trying not to do. Now already I have some commentary in on uh, this including a really good text that came in yesterday just towards the close of the programme that I didn't get a chance to mention. I'm going to bring it to you now. But firstly Mike makes the point, uh, Patricia I live near a small beach in West Cork and on Saturday night there was at least 100 young people in tents partying. I fear that the COVID figures will go sky high within this age group because this is the age group that we know haven't had their vaccines to no fault of their own and they're also the age group where we know 80% of people are under the age of 45, so younger people, 80% of the COVID cases are in this age group. So Mike is saying my big worry is the numbers are going to go sky high. I do feel for young people, but we all have to try to ensure the safety of everyone. Is it not essential to have more guardie to visit these areas at the weekend, says Mike. So that's in a small beach, so a rural area of West Cork. So it wasn't, While all the focus and all the attention went on the city areas because that's where the camera footage was. But Mike's saying up to 100 people on a small beach in West Cork. So there was clusters and groups of uh, people in rural areas as well. So it's not just in the city. And then Jack contacted us. And this is putting the view across from a younger person. He says hi, my name is Jack. I am just after finishing my college degree. Listening to your show yesterday and hearing complaints about us, the young people, is certainly angering. As although I myself am disgusted by the large gatherings and the crowds that we witnessed around us at the week at the weekend, can you blame us? There is virtually nothing else to do, only to try to enjoy the simple things in life with some friends when the weather was good for the first time in months over last weekend. As regards the vaccine rollout, it's not fair to think that over 60s are opted for over 18 to 13-year-olds, as it is us that have to put everything about our lives on hold. And we can only do so for so long, as these are supposed to be the best years of our lives. But they are certainly not at this time. It is us that should have been vaccinated first in order to elevate the in, in in order to elevate the spread of the virus. And it is us that do not deserve to be slandered day in, day out for actually living our lives. So there's the view of a young person saying, How unfair is it? Everyone's picking on the young people. They it's meant to be the best time of their lives. They want to go out, they want to be with their friends. That's what young people do and yet they can't do it safely because they haven't been vaccinated and God knows when the 18 to 30 year olds are going to be vaccinated. We've just opened the portal for the 40 to 44 uh, year olds. There's been a delay actually between that opening and when the 45 to 49 year olds opened. So when are we going to get down to the 18 to 30 year olds and is Jack right? Do young people then end up having to put their lives on hold because they haven't been vaccinated. Whereas if they had been vaccinated first, then they could be out socialising. They could be having a good time. And then we could be talking about the over 60 year olds and saying, well, your turn will come. Hang on in there. Another couple of months and then we'll get around to you. So your thoughts welcomed on that. Whereas Michael in Castletown Bear takes the, he's coming at it from the other side, from the older generation's point of view because he says, Patricia I listened in shock to Senator Malcolm Byrne on the Tonight Show last night when he said, and I quote, I take the view that look, especially for young people we've got to cut them some slack. It's been a very tough year for young people. 15 years effectively locked up. Is he for real, says Michael? What about the older generation, i.e. 50 plus? Haven't they been locked away also for 15 months? It's shocking and disgusting to hear a politician disrespecting the seniors of this country by keeping them locked away and not even allowing them a few hours of social dancing in the week. No talk of the reopening of social dancing. Does he realise the mental stress of returning to some sort of normality For older people as they knew it pre the pandemic. How will they cope with the new world that they will be going out into? How many will be afraid to go out? Does he realise that we must and will have to address the loneliness epidemic after COVID-19? It'll be very interesting if you've got a clinical psychologist on your show someday to discuss this matter further. Senator Malcolm Byrne seems to forget it was the seniors of this country that built this country before he ever came along. And that sounds like a very angry Michael in Castletown Bear who is putting it forward from the... So we've got both ends of the spectrum. We've got Jack fighting his corner on behalf of the younger people and saying, look, we've been locked away. It's meant to be the best years of our lives. What are you doing to us, guys? Give us our vaccine so we can get out about, uh, out and about. And we've Michael on the other side uh, saying that the focus, more focus needs to go on the older on the older generation, those over the age of 50. Uh, your thoughts welcomed on that. 1850 103. You can text our WhatsApp to 0862 103 103. And I have had a text in from Anne. Thank you, Anne. When you're one of our first texts this morning, say morning, Patricia. Is the passport express by post back yet? I checked there for you to see if it is back, and it is not. The processing of passport express applications has been paused, and the current turnaround after they resume processing will be between six to eight weeks. We know when all of that's back up and running, there's going to be there is going to be big delays uh, with getting your passport back. So certainly. Passport Express normally is much quicker than six to eight weeks but it isn't back yet. But that doesn't mean that you can't apply for a passport um, because the passport service is continuing to process passport applications online. Now they say at the moment their priority is processing anyone who sent in an application prior to the 29th of April. They're hoping to do it within six to eight weeks. The passport online is open to all applicants. It includes applying for a passport for a child, anyone who is renewed renewing their passport and also anyone who is applying for their first passport as long as you're a resident of Ireland or Northern Ireland or uh, Great Britain you can uh, you can apply online and while they say up on their website that the online is taken between six and eight weeks. I beg to differ with them because whenever we mention passports on the programme, we will inevitably get a text or a call in from a listener to say that they did the passport service online and within a week or two, they had their passport back. So it is well worth if you do need to get a passport. And I know with talk of travel, people are saying, "Mm, yeah, maybe I'll get my passport and be ready just in in case. And actually, it's interesting as well, because we haven't been travelling now. Most of us haven't left the shores, certainly in well over 15 months, to check and see if your passport is out of date, because it's only when we're regularly using our passports that we see or there's six months left on it or there's a year left on it so you've got a rough idea but because we haven't looked at our passport in so long it might be worth checking particularly if you are one of those people who will be hoping to uh, travel from July onwards. Some comments in from people seeing both sides of the divide about the younger people saying they need to get on with their lives the older people saying they need to get on with their lives somebody says why didn't they do the younger generation first and leave the people in the nursing homes until last the people in the nursing homes wouldn't be going out and about. I'm in my 60s. I need to go out as well as I'm not ready to stay in. But I think the younger generation should have been vaccinated first and they should have left the older generation and in particular those in nursing homes. They should have been left until the very end. I don't know how many people would agree with you on that one when you see how nursing homes were affected in the first wave. Liz says, young people, they're selfish pups they want what they want are they our future God help us tell them all please to uh, cop on while someone else says my God poor Jack and his friends having no fun well if the young people don't cop themselves on they won't be having fun for a very long time they will be the cause of another wave that's from uh, Dermot Margaret is on the line good morning to you Margaret good morning Patricia Now, Margaret, you're seeing both points of view, both Michael speaking up on behalf of the older people and Jack speaking up on behalf of the younger generation.
3: Yes, indeed, Patricia. I can see Mike's point of view. Certainly, I'm in the over 60 group myself and I can see the point of view and the points he's making around, you know, uh, older people having to stay inside and being nervous about going out in that point, you know, from that perspective. And I'm in that group. But I think I can look back on life uh, with a bit of wisdom, maybe, philosophically, and say, you know, back to my young, younger age group when I was young and when I had the chance to develop as a young person. And I can, see, I can see his point of view, and particularly in rural areas, I live in a rural area myself, where there can be rural isolation and certainly it can affect older people's health and mental health and their sense of loneliness. However, however, and I say a very strong however, I very much see Jack's point of view. I think when we must look at this, and this hasn't been part of the discourse at all, I think, at any time or of the discussion, because the fundamental important years in a person's life, really, are the formative years. We have the as children develop, go into their teens, into their 20s. It, they're developing as human beings and as the people that they will become, and as somebody said there, the future leaders of our country. But we must enable them to develop as, as people. We're not doing that currently. And I, Jack, it was uh, it just finished his degree, isn't that what he said? And, yeah, that's know, it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And people of Jack, Jack's peers, Jack and his peers, haven't really had a college experience for the last two years. Education, and if we want citizens who are well educated and rounded into the future, it's a holistic education. It's not just about academics online on a computer screen. It's about social education. It's about emotional education. It's about networking. It's about forming relationships with peers and even young people to meet a partner, a partner, a life partner. Many of those relationships are formed in college. That facility is there now. And we must look at how we're going to develop. We can reflect on the future. Where is our country going? How are we facilitating and enabling young people to be rounded, rounded citizens with the broad experience? And I think that's something that yeah. our leaders our, our leaders, need to reflect on and form as part of the discourse. I'm in my 60s. I've yeah. had those experiences. I can, I can analyse and reflect philosophically and know that, you know, this is the time for me as, a you know, I have, haven't lived through world wars. This is my time to reflect and be reflective. I can go out for my walks. I don't have the same needs as young people have. We must consider the formation of young people And, you know, I I disagree with some of the comments that were made earlier when somebody said, God help the country of the future if these are the young people that we have now go out and about. I say God help the country if we can enable them to form as rounded whole citizens. I very much think that that should form an important part of the discourse.
2: Well said, well said. You're a wise woman. Actually, I see a number of people are uh, agreeing, you, including one person says, hi, Patricia, the way young people are forgotten about in this uh, country. I'm not young, but I think they really have been forgotten about. And, yes. all, and Jack was making that point that I suppose every radio station he turned on yesterday or every TV channel he turned on, every newspaper he would have opened, it was all slagging off uh, young people. Yes. And he said, it's meant to be the best time of their lives and it's not. Absolutely. And it's not just about the fun aspect, but it's about the
3: rounded person that i've spoken yeah. about and certainly fun as part yeah. of it because they need they need to learn how to enjoy themselves wisely as well i mean that's part of our development a development of human beings it's uh, you know as the old adage 20 years the growing mm. what are we okay doing? well said what are well going, said you know and i would okay. i would You're ask our politicians <laughs> and our and our, our country's leaders to reflect on that in their conversations and in the discourse
2: OK. Thanks for that, Ali, and have a good day. Thanks and uh, that, Thanks Marvin for joining here. us. Well, good morning to you. And I can see a lot of people seems to be you now young versus old debate is, is breaking out. Amanda in Shannon said, I feel those on about social dancing. That's what Mike mentioned, Michael mentioned in his uh, commentary to us. They need to get real. We all know nightclubs, etc. will not open until the end of the year. So uh, while dining will open, indoor dining, it's a different level opening up any kind of dancing, be it social dancing are nightclubs. Get real. Uh, We're nowhere near that happening. Jerry in Mitchellstown says I do feel that young people that are working, they should have been vaccinated. It's very unfair for people to be working and then mingling with others in a workplace who are not vaccinated, while other workers are. That is very unfair on the younger generation that are at uh, a work. And then we had a call in from Eileen in the Ballycotton area to say that a number of people, she says, were trespassing on land and were around people's homes. There was fires being lit late at night, uh, particularly around Ardna Hinch Beach. Uh, we got onto the Gardaí and they tell us that they're investigating reports. Are of trespassing on a premises in the Ardne Hinge area of Shanagari. It occurred at, in the early hours of the morning, 1.15am, always oh, just this morning. Uh, upon arrival at the scene, no persons were present in the area and the tales investigations are ongoing. Eighteen fifty three 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 one zero three. 333 103. John Paul takes your calls. Text or WhatsApp 0862 103 103.
3: Court Today on C103
4: with John Cusack Insurance's Kinsale, now part of McCarthy Insurance Group. They don't just talk the talk, they walk the walk. C-M-I-G
2: Independent Councillor Ken O'Flynn is calling for a common sense approach to be adapted in planning for an outdoor summer and in developing a real vision for our public spaces. And Councillor Ken O'Flynn uh, was about to join me, but he's not joining me. We'll get, we'll get Ken back up on the line. I can see though a huge huge amount of uh, commentary coming in uh, on this divide between the young and uh, the old. Dermot in uh, Clonacilty says, tell Liz to get real. Liz was the person who said, selfish pups the young people, they want everything are they are uh, future. Dermot says, tell Liz to get real. She's the reason there's a divide between young and old. I agree with Margaret who joined you on the programme. Common sense and thinking is what is needed here. Now, uh, thank you for that that, uh, Dermot. I'm told Councillor Kenneth Flynn is back on the line. Good morning to you, Ken.
1: Good morning, Patricia. How are you this morning?
2: I'm very, I'm very well, and you're welcome to the program. Now, there's been a lot of talk of, uh, and a lot of people giving out about the large crowds that gathered at the weekend, especially uh, in the city. But then there's been other people. Certainly, the amount of commentary we're getting in this morning, people defending young people, young people themselves defending themselves, saying, "Look, this is what young people do." You're, you're saying, "Don't start pointing the finger of blame."
1: Well, look, I don't know what the point is. You know, we can all we can all wag the finger and say it's your fault, it's my fault. Uh, and I don't know who that will suit. Um, the reality is we're on the lo- longest lockdown in Europe, um, I think the world. Um, it's been very difficult for, for people my parents age in their 60s. It's been very, very difficult for people uh, older again that have stayed home for the last year. And it's been very tough on young people as well um people that are used to going out socialising, seeing their friends. I think, you know, when we reflect back when we were in our teens, which was not so long ago, Patricia, you and I. Um, yeah,
2: but, um <laughs> I know.
1: But uh, you know, the most important thing in our lives were our friends you know and this then the social gathering and, and the interaction with people and the dance class or the or the, the rugby training or the the GAA training things like that were very important to us um, particularly in our tweens or in our twenties you know so look i'm saying it is what it is you know what do you expect when you lock up a country for for 13 14 months you know you're going to have mass gatherings you're going to have people that want to see one another um my great concern was going through the city on Saturday was the amount of litter that was there. Um, we had mm. bins overflowing. I, I posted them on my own Facebook page, photographs that i taken because I, I was coming through the city. And I was for the first time in a very long time, I was ashamed of the city, of uh, the city centre. And that's being honest with you. I've spoken to the director of services um, about it. Uh, our cleaning crews in Cork City are out uh, from seven o'clock in the morning to 10 o'clock at night emptying bins and sweeping streets. That's 364 days a year they take Christmas Day off. That's what happens. Um, Now, what we've decided to do is because the bins are filling up a lot faster, um, we're going to be emptying the bins three, four times a day rather than two times a day, which would be the normal of what we do on Patrick Street. We're not putting in large bins because you're just afraid of fellas are coming along and taking a chance and throwing mattresses and all that sort of stuff in, in, into it you know um, so we are going to up the game um, we are going to be spending a lot of money on overtime as well and bringing on more stuff to uh, keep the city neat, tidy and clean look I'd love to say we all should be staying at home. Would you agree,
2: what did you make of, and I know he's a Dublin City Council official who was making the point that if we supply more bins, if we supply more toilets, all you're going to do is encourage people to come in. And he said at the end of the day, you'll you'll have bigger public health uh, issues. So by putting facilities in place, are you only encouraging more people to come into the city?
1: Well, look, we can't pretend it's not going to happen. Human nature will tell us this, you know. This is our second lockdown of summer. Uh, and what annoys me and frustrates me very much though, so is the government hasn't provided Cork City Council or Cork County Council or any other local authority throughout the country with extra funds to put in bins, to put in service toilets. And we had a discussion about toilets uh, uh, not long ago on the show. Uh, we are opening public toilets. It's an enormous expensive city as well. Uh, and we have to have toilets in a safe they can't be drugged in, and we've seen that in the past, too, if they're not serviced, if they're not looked after, if there's not an attendant available to keep them clean, keep, keep people moving, people not using it for, for, for various other activities than using it as a, a as a WC. Um, but, you know, it's not the first time at the Rodeo. You know, we're told we're having an outdoor experience, and this summer has to be all outdoors. So I don't understand where government has come along and left us down as local authorities that not provided extra funds for us to employ the extra staff for cleaning, for us to install the extra bins. By the way, Patricia, just to leave you know, a bin is quite an expensive item for a city. Uh, You're talking anywhere between 800 to 1,000 euros for a bin. That's what it costs to manufacture. And now
5: the new ones that are coming in that we're bringing into the city, um, we have a couple on order at the
1: moment. They're the compacting bins. So they're solar powered operators and compacting, so you get more gar- garbage in, um, uh, and you know it's 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 better for us. It's better for the environment as well. It's it's compacted, you know. Um,
6: mm. So it's, terrific. It's not a cheap but is there
1: not it's is there not, there not a also product.
2: a personal is there not also a bit of personal responsibility here? I mean, the amount of rubbish that was left behind by the people who were out at the weekend was simply disgraceful.
1: Well, look, it looked awful. It's about city pride. It's about us promoting city pride. I think our Lord Mayor, in fairness, has done a very good job in in his campaign for his anti-litter campaign. Um, It's about educating people. Uh, You know, the thing about it is, Patricia, I wonder, when we were that young, did we consider leaving rubbish around the place? And I have to say, on Saturday, what I did notice was the bins were overloaded. People were leaving rubbish around the bins, in the vicinity of the bins. They were trying. But if you don't have the facility there for them, um you know it's it's very tough on people as well, and you can't really expect people to bring pizza boxes home and 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 things like that you know now look
2: there is like oh, a and i actually just just is, by the way what everybody's saying. Drain. And while we're getting calls in about this debate between young and old, uh, Connor has just come been onto the programme to say he was working in Black Rock over the weekend and he had to drive past Kennedy's Quay on both Saturday yeah. and Sunday night. And he said, I can tell you, it wasn't all young people out drinking. He said, I saw people in their 50s and 60s walking around the Quay. He said, unless they're people that have aged very badly. He said, we need to stop doing all this blaming of young people. It wasn't all, you know, 18 to 25-year-olds that were out we're
1: like as we've been saying from the start, we're all in this together. We all have to take personal responsibility, we all have to remember that we all have family members, we all have grandparents, parents with uh, you know, elderly people exposing ourselves to to the covid virus or putting ourselves in a position where we could end up with COVID and pass it on to loved ones, people have to remember that. And you would ask people to remember that regardless of their age. That's the reality of it. But look, I, you know, the idea that we're blaming a lot of young people or we're blaming a lot of people that are in their 40s or 50s or whatever, I, I think it's pointless having blame at this stage. You know, we have to look at the condition of human nature. There's been plenty of people on this program and on other national programs talking about people's mental health. People need to get out. People need to see their friends. People need to interact. We're 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 social human beings. Now, look, I think a lot of this nuisance will be abated probably from next week on because of the opening of of outside dining, and there'll be no more toilet facilities. We won't be as heavily reliant on takeaway food or takeaway pints. Um, no, I did have a chat with the guys. Do you think take they should
2: pints. have opened them from Friday, even though Leah Varadkar has come out and said they're not going to open them earlier? It's not going to happen until the bank holiday Monday. Do you think that's a mistake?
1: Look, I'll be honest with you, British. I think this government has made a plethora of mistakes when it comes to COVID. Um, I think we are learning a lot more about COVID and how, how, how it is um, how it's transmitted um, I think they've made a lot of mistakes when it comes to the economy in general uh, and yeah, that's just another one of their mistakes, that's the reality of it but look we have to deal with what we have to deal with um, they're not listening to you and I or they're not listening to programmes they're so, certainly not listening to the general public from, from the opinions that are coming in on your line and, and the rest of it.
2: Um, actually, it's OK. They, Leo said it's going to be raining at the weekend, so we're not going to have the same problem because people won't be congregating. And actually, a number of people are picking up when I mentioned what Leo had said and said, that's all, all well and good. But we're, they're encouraging us to eat, to dine and have our few pints Correct. outside. And yes, Leo Varadkar is saying uh, it is going to be wet. And a number okay. of people on Please. the toilets. I know yesterday we had some calls in from people who live in the city centre who were saying the smell of urine around their properties on, s- from Saturday evening and it was wafting around on Sunday because it was a nice, fine day. And I saw Paddy O'Brien, great advocate on behalf of older people, uh, you know, saying that older people can't go into the city centre due no. to lack of toilet facilities. What is the latest on that? Uh,
1: well, we, ha- we have opened a number of facilities, Norma- uh, Norman Street as well. Uh, some of them are closing at four or five o'clock in the evening, so that, that doesn't help. Now, look, from next Monday on, with bars and restaurants opened, there'll be a plethora of toilets available to the public, people that are dying outside. We're hoping that most businesses, especially the Cork-owned businesses, the local businesses, are going to work with us in the City Hall and, if they, and they won't turn people away if, they, if they're caught short. Um, you know, there is a big expense when it comes to toilets. You're talking about 100000 up to put up a new toilet unit. So we're opening what we have uh, there are are currently opened we're doing exactly what we have there has to be a short-term medium term and a long-term plan uh, and that's the plan that we have and the it's it's kind of a reproach i have to say about david joyce who's a very proactive director of services he's the kind of guy that says look just do it and get it done uh, and that's what we've done and that's what we've opened we've opened what's available to us we are engaging with our local businesses saying look can you Facilitate us at the moment and help us out and make our toilets available when you are open. And there has been a very good uh, buy-in from that from the private businesses as well. So look, okay, Noreen sure. no wants to I know what is
2: the. Can- Sorry, go ahead. Noreen wants to know where is the council's money gone? Ken is on the programme this morning looking for more money for bins. What are they doing with the money that they're already allocated? Noreen said she gets really annoyed when the council hand a property from one tenant to another tenant. They'll go into that house, completely gut it and repaint it when sometimes the houses are absolutely perfect. And here now is Ken on looking for more money this morning. It's maddening.
1: Well, there you go. Well, You know, the money that is allocated to Cork City Council every year, we we make our money three ways. One is the government monies, the other is commercial rate, and the other is rent from tenants. Um, Rent from tenants is is a small amount of money that comes into the city to keep this city running. Uh, The other part is the commercial rates. There has been no commercial rates collected this year or last year because of the, you know, the, the government has said we're not collecting commercial rights if your business closes, which is a good, which is a very good idea and very positive. So that leaves us short of money. There has been a reimbursement from government, but that's been slowly coming. Um, what we're doing with our with our money is, is we're running the city. So everything that was there before is still being paid for, being, uh, still being operated on. The problem is is that we now have additional expenses because of COVID. Because of having to um, push forward plans of uh, streets, because of the, if you remember, what we had to do last year and last summer with the barriers, they were on extra expense that we certainly weren't expecting because of COVID. There was a lot of extra expenses put on the city. So just to answer the, the, the other lady, the ladies that texted in, when a property comes back to Cork City Council, we are surrounded with a lot of guidelines and a lot of government guidelines that we have to adhere to before we get the property back out to the, to the, the general public. It means that it, it's inspected by a fire marshal, it's inspected by ESB, things have to be brought up to code, things have to be brought up to an energy level. Actually, we're the only landlords in the city that have to bring it up to those codes. If it was a private property, it could be rented out tomorrow if it's a public property in public ownership, it has to meet all those regulations before it can
6: be a certain
2: standard.
1: Okay, all right, just let me wrap it up with
2: a couple of uh, calls in. Tom on the College Road says, uh, I'm sick of this sense of entitlement by younger people where I live in the city. We're tormented with house parties uh, and hearing of people who travelled at the weekend from Waterford, And other counties, they came to Cork to party at the weekend. The parties on the city streets, where do they go afterwards? More than likely, they ended up in houses near me uh, along the College and Magazine road areas. It is a a disgrace. And someone else says, Patricia, I couldn't get over, I can't get over the amount of people who are out drinking in the front of premises on Oliver Plunkett Street in Cork on Monday afternoon. They had takeaway pints in large paper cups, made me wonder what is going to happen when the pubs reopen. But I suppose when the pubs reopen, they will be in beer gardens and it probably will be a little bit more organised. Okay, we have to leave it there. Listen, Ken, thank you for that. And thanks for joining us uh, on the programme this morning. Good morning to you. That is uh, Cork City Independent. Thank you for that. Cork City Independent uh, Councillor Ken O'Flynn. John Paul taking your calls. 1850 333 103.
3: Cork Today on C103
4: With Sean Cusack Insurance's Kinsale Now part of McCarthy Insurance Group for motor, home, business, farm, life and health insurance CMIG.ie You're listening to Cork Today on Replay Phone and text lines are currently closed
2: I'll come back to a huge amount of commentary in on this uh, debate as to who should have got a vaccination first and who's right and who's wrong with people going out and trying to party and socialise at the uh, weekend. But a couple of people in making the very same point, including Mike, who says, Hi, Patricia, totally agree with young people going out. I'm an old age pensioner. The powers that be let in every type of variant into this country. And they are the people that's supposed to be protecting uh, us. And now they're blaming others. They brought in the quarantining of the mandatory hotel quarantining they brought it in 13 months too late uh, says uh, Mike and someone else is making that very same uh, situation Uh, a Bantry listener says Patricia I'm sick and tired like most of the media constantly talking about the present situation if the government and the authorities had sealed off this country on day one we wouldn't be in the situation we're in now and that is signed signed a fed up uh, listener and I will get back to a lot more uh, commentary but I want to move to uh, a different topic because uh, Fianna Gael Senator Tim Lambert has called for the strengthening of legislation to deal with what he is calling the extensive occurrence of vessels being abandoned and Senator Tim Lambert uh, joins me. Good morning to you uh, Tim.
5: Good morning Patricia.
2: And you're welcome to the pro- programme. This is predominantly to do with the ghost uh, ship near Ballycotton which is now well over a year since it washed up on our shores. Do you believe that there are many more boats and ships abandoned around the country?
5: Oh, yeah, and I think that's probably the issue, I think. You know, the ghost ship that's down Ballycotton is one of the extreme ones, you know. What we have seen across the Linton breadth of Ireland is that there's ships tied up with decades and there's been very little movement on it. In fact, there's one tied up at the site of the old bridge down in Kinsale with the last 11 years. It's nearly 11 metres long. It's actually pulling the pier wall into the actual ocean at the moment. Again, same scenario. We don't know who the owner is with no... Well, we know who the owner is. The owner is deceased. The, the estate of the owner has no money and it's literally rotting away and it's actually pulling the seawall into the actual sea with it. And because of that, and because of the the major one that we've seen in Belly Cotton, we're having a huge issue about how we're going to fund these going forward. Like the liability of Cotton could be ended up to 10 million euro, could fall on the local authority to actually deal with that liability itself, which would be a really significant drain of resources from Cochrane Council. So how do we actually put legislation in place and a fund in place to make sure that the local authorities have the ability to deal with these big and small vessels that are abandoned throughout the county?
2: And do do you reckon we need to have what type of legislation do you believe we need to put
6: in place?
5: Yeah, so what we have at the moment, like this one in Ballycotton is bizarre, it's typical typical it's very unusual, it's literally this ship was drifting for 500 days eventually it landed up in Ballycotton there was a crew at one stage and they were airlifted off by the US Navy or by the US Coast Guard but now the owner and the insurance policy pertaining it has literally vanished we don't know who the actual owner is so first thing we need to do is there needs to be an international maritime agreement that we have a register of every owner so we can attach some liability pertaining to it. But when you have these legacy issues around King Sale and other parts of the world, we do need to make sure that a levy put on the actual industry itself, that the industry takes responsibility. Like, at the moment, who's going to pick up the tab for what happened in cotton? will be you and me. That's totally inappropriate. Like we have a levy on the insurance industry to some degree. When you have a car crash and that person mightn't be insured, the industry then comes up and pays. That levy or that mechanism isn't available throughout the maritime world itself, and we have, unfortunately. You know, big campaigns when it comes to sea litter, which is really important and really think is positive. But on the other side, we have no real legislation or fund to deal with these abandoned vessels in County Corp or throughout the entire country itself.
2: And and I'm assuming that this has got to be a worldwide uh, issue, Tim. It isn't just something that's pertaining to us here in Ireland.
5: Oh, no, absolutely, and I think that is the ultimate issue. This is a phenomenon that we've seen, in, fortunately, throughout the Linton, and of, of just Ireland and across many, many countries worldwide. And we have to joined up approach internationally to make sure that we can actually put something in place, that this light of having ships literally abandoned and tidal computers for a decade or more and leave it up to the actual state to use it. Is totally inappropriate. I compare it to a kin of just leaving abandoned cars and housing estates and nothing being done about it. And that's kind of how I feel the actual issue about abandoned ships has affected the actual maritime world itself. And that to me And it's is not
2: fair on issue. coastal communities.
5: Oh, God, no. And it's have a huge impact on coastal communities. To have a pier wall down in Kinsale tied up with nearly 11 years is totally inappropriate to the coastal community affected by it. And that's something unless we legislate for, put a fund in place for, this phenomenon will continue. And, do you know, there's a massive liability here on the state. And I think if we're going to spend 10 million euros and the question is how do we fund the 10 million euros will become the big issue. Will national government, which I hope they will, step in to help Cork and the Council deal with it? Otherwise, that will be a really significant drain of resources for Cork
2: and the Council. Absolutely, absolutely, at, at a time when they, don't, when they really don't need it. Yes. And just on a different topic, um, Tim, you've been quite critical of Airbnbs. Wasn't there legislation brought in in 2019 to stop the increase of these properties?
5: Yes, so it, the legislation was brought in regarding rent pressure zones. So if you were in a rent pressure zone, Airbnb didn't have to register their actual intention to work as an Airbnb. Rent pressure zones came in in certain locations in Cork in the last over a two-year period, Carrigaline and Blarney area would have been the first. Fail, and I might be wrong now, for didn't were added at, at a previous stage. But now we're going through a process that these, these Airbnbs must register their intention that they're going to work as an the Airbnb. There's been very little activity in that. And I think that's the issue. We haven't seen a planning process like the basically they must go through planning, and they haven't gone through that planning process yet. There's been a few who go through the, car- uh, the Bandon Kingfield district, but on average, the majority of these are working outside of the law as pertains to these wind pressure zones.
2: And we know with everybody trying to book a staycation, I mean, anecdotally, I'm hearing from people who are being uh, charged huge sums of money, much more than they would have paid a couple of years ago uh, to either rent a property or to stay in, in an Airbnb. So there's money to be made in this industry.
5: Yeah, literally an Airbnb in a a three-month rotation will make a multiple of what they would from renting out in 12 months to a person who wants to rent accommodation with a family. And it's unsustainable. Like we have four or five hundred properties in the Bannon Kingfield District tied up with Airbnb. That's four or five hundred families that could literally be housed if we had that legislation fully enacted. And that's going to be the biggest issue in the next 18 months, to make sure we make sure everyone who's working within that remit is properly, re- is properly regulated. At the moment, they're not. And at the moment, I believe this issue is a huge issue. In lockdown, it was phenomenal. In lockdown, I was spoken to previously about that. Airbnb in some locations worked as normal. There were weekend parties happening continuously. The bigger issue here is that they are sucking the actual rental market out of these towns. And the knock on effect communities can't develop because of the lack of actual rental properties where they want to actually rent
2: okay all right and before we let you go i know you 've been listening uh, to the program this morning oh, God, and uh, the debate the debate that 's raging over people young people wanting to go out and to socialize and being allowed to socialize and some people saying they should have been vaccinated uh, earlier have you an understanding of what happened in the not just in our own Cork City, it happened in Dublin, it happened in Galway, and we're hearing from seaside areas where people, large groups of young people congregated and had you know, pitched their tents and went for overnight stays. Have you an understanding of the need to go out and socialise and meet with your friends?
5: Yeah, look, we're all, it's been through 18 months of torture and you can really understand how communities, people, young people in particular, young people have have deprived of two years of their lives, how they're going to be frustrated by this. And, like, look, I saw the pictures of Kennedy Key, and Cork and everything. I think there's an issue on COVID regulations, definitely. There's also a health and safety issue here. Like, I had a real fear about Kennedy Key. Young people drink water. That would always fear me, you know. And was there any restrictions for having an open key there and who's going to be going near the water? So, like, do you put marshals in place? Do you have a more community policing element here rather than hardline policing of please go home? So I just think we need to acknowledge just frustration, acknowledge just built up anticipation here, and maybe having a more community policing element might be the softer approach than than dealing with a heavy hammer. Because in fairness, like, young people have been through the wars. They really, really are. They're at the bottom of the list when it comes to vaccination because they're less likely to die from this virus, statistically. And I think we have to kind of work with them. I think a hammer isn't the approach here. If anything, you know, a few marshals, community policing, keeping back from the water, more social distancing and maybe even more spaces for them to go into is probably the right approach here.
2: All Well, we'll leave it there, uh, Tim. Thank you for that and thanks for joining us on the programme this morning. Good morning to you. That is Senator Tim Lombard. Let me go quickly to some of your texts and WhatsApps coming into the programme. Heidi says, Patricia, on who to blame on this, we must not put young against old. We are all in the same boat. young, Young ones have to curb what they do, but also older ones and many don't know how much life that they have left to live. This is a sad situation for the whole world. And maybe it would be better to look at healing the world and all doing our part in this uh, very sad situation we find ourselves in. I have lovely grandchildren and thank God. They are very uh, caring. So rather than pit one against the other, let's all work together. And North Cork listener says, Trisha, I'm here furious listening to the radio this morning and talking about the youths being let out at the weekend. I have three young people here at home. They haven't seen any friends since Christmas. They're actually afraid to go out. I feel sorry for them as we as parents thinking what we were doing at that age and the kind of life we were leading and what they are doing uh, now. Uh, If you look on social media, it isn't all young people that were out at the weekend. That's from a North Cork uh, listener. I totally agree with Jack, the college student who contacted you earlier. Young people should have been vaccinated immediately. After the elderly, after the over 70s, we should have moved to the younger cohort. The most important thing in your life when you're young and single is meeting up with friends and socialising. I bet the number of new cases would have been minimal by now if we had done it that way. As a 63-year-old, I don't go out much other than the food, shopping and going for walks. So my vaccination could have been delayed safely in favour of giving it to a younger person. I know a lot of people who agree with that, but we didn't have any say in it. We worry so much about young people's mental Health, and then we do this to them. I agree with lockdown and vaccination, just not in the order that they have given the vaccines out. Somebody else says, Patricia, I agree with Jack that the students deserve to start living. However, to gain sympathy from the older generation, they need to behave responsibly and show respect for the locals. More importantly, they really need to take the mounds of rubbish home with them. After last weekend, a lot of people agreeing with Margaret, who joined us on the programme, who saw it from both sides. People saying her points were very valid. Fiona said, completely agree with Jack. Uh, My daughter's also uh, just finished but in her case Jack's just finished his degree my daughter has just finished her first year in college she didn't set foot inside in the college she had no college experience no chance to make new friends a lot of your listeners are blaming the younger people for everything which is really really unfair Hi Patricia. I watched the news last night and I saw the crowds in Cork at the weekend. To be honest, I think what the I uh, to be honest, I think what is the problem. My argument is if we can go back GAA training sweating and bleeding and marking your man the physical contact surely that is a lot more hazardous than groups outside bars having a few drinks and socialising I also raised the question should GAA players all be vaccinated before they actually go training says this listener on bins Caroline says I travelled to Kerry yesterday there wasn't a bin in sight when we're asking people to dispose of their rubbish responsibly Alan says hi Patricia always remember you can please some of the people some of the time never all of the people all of the time the human being is the most selfish animal on earth Alan says we're the only animals that build bigger nests than we actually need (laughs) <laughs> uh, old and young, we all must have compassion for each other. Otherwise, we'll end up fighting with each other. And that's what seems to be happening today. Mary says, a comment on the young people congregating outdoors. I know I'm not going to be popular for making this point, but if we opened the bingo halls in the mo- in the morning, if we opened the venues for social dancing, there'd be a stampede of people of a certain age. OK, they'll say they've been vaccinated, but with this new Indian variant, the vaccine may not give total protection. So these people could actually end up being the ones that become the spreaders. Uh, so I say to the listeners who are angry, relax, please, and just mind yourself. 1850 and just one final one for Mossy. In West Cork says, hi Patricia, is it true that the HSE paid 100 million euro and counting to fix the IT computer crash after the cyber attack? Yeah, I heard Paul Reid say that it is going to cost at least... A million euro, but it's I think it's a million euro and uh, counting. Uh, but anyway, um, if that's true, says Mo, says Mossy, the ransom group were looking for twenty million euro. Would it not have saved potential hardship of hundreds of thousands of patients? Are the HSC cutting their nose off to spite their face at uh, thanking you? Uh, no, they're not because the twenty million that the ransom demand was for that was for the key to unlock all of the data. And remember the cyber attackers gave that back for free because they'd gained all of the information. What's happening now is they're starting to dump the information online because the ransom wasn't paid. But even if we'd paid the ransom, they would have got the key back. But then it's putting the systems all back up. It, that's costing the 100 uh, million. So, so while I know, I see what you're saying, it looked like it was a waste of money. It actually wasn't. Uh, 1850 333 103. John Paul takes your calls. Text or WhatsApp 0862 103 103. C103 Jobs. Band and Co-op are looking for a milk collection driver while a child binder is wanted to work three days per week. This is in the Fremont area. It's for the children's ages are nine, four and 14 months. And a tipper truck driver is required for an immediate start. That's for work in the Cork City area. You can find out more about these jobs and get more details by going online now to c103.ie forward slash jobs. This is C103.
4: Report today on C103. With Sean Cusack Insurance's Kinsale, now part of McCarthy Insurance Group. They don't just talk the talk, they walk the walk. CMIG.ie. dot
2: just a couple of comments and somebody says, would the government not just simply open up the country now? If people are not keeping safe, then surely that's their problem. But for those of us that are keeping safe, why not allow the country to open up? We've been punished for their lack of Thinking outside of the box, a lot of people have at least had one vaccination at this country. Uh, Surely we're ready now to open up the country. But I think the problem with the one vaccine, as we're seeing in the UK with this Indian variant of it, that you're not protected with the one dose. I know that's why even in the UK... We'll probably get to it a little bit later on in the programme. They're already talking about they're due to reopen completely, uh, on the later on in June, and they're already talking about now that they're going to uh, delay that reopening. I think it's meant to be on the twenty first, but they're the twenty first of June, but they're looking at already delaying that. And for people who are thinking of going away, maybe on a little bit of a jolly down West Cork way when we heard of people trespassing on other people's uh, properties somebody says I live in West Cork and I have land that's actually near the beach I'm putting a warning out now if there are any young people or indeed anyone who decides to park on my bit of land they won't be coming out I have a JCB and I'll dig a big trench across the gate so there'll be no way out of the field you have been warned says a West Cork land owner now the Irish Post Postmasters Union has warned of unrestrained post office closures from July if the government does not act quickly to provide financial support or at least an annual retainer to the almost 900 postmasters nationwide. Paddy O'Shea of Upper Ahada Post Office uh, joins me. Good morning to you, Paddy. Good morning. How are you? I'm very well and you're welcome uh, to the program. Now postmasters are going to see a significant reduction in payment rates and it is in today's the 1st of June it's in a month's time it's on the 1st of a July. Time, yeah, yeah. Can, yeah, can you explain what that is all about and well, what's going it, it,
7: to happen? going it, it to to make it clear uh, uh, 3 years ago we did a deal with the company that uh, it, we changed it because before that you had a uh, you had a contract for life but they asked us to go in for a contract, now a seven-year contract, and uh, they want everyone to do it. Obviously, the very small ones they didn't want, but about 640 of us did it, and a, it, it, the, the company gave us a... Yeah, first of all, they wanted the 640 to be the, 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 to be... the I saw the forerunners and the people who do a lot of the work. Now to the and uh, that they, they gave us uh, in, in, inducements to, uh, to run the business, you see. And uh, and what the government uh, promised at the time as well, that, you know, we get a lot more work than we have, et cetera, et cetera. But what happened in the three years since, we got no work from the government, and as well as that, you had know, the COVID coming in. So we didn't get through any our work. Now, what's happening is uh, uh, the 1st of, uh, of July, uh, uh, 640 will lose about 20% of their salary. So that's And if you
2: lose 20% of your sa- salary, will that be not make it financially viable for some post offices of them, to remain as open? Matter,
7: yeah, in, in, as a matter of fact, in Cork now, court City and County, about I would say now about 12 post offices have gone already. A lot of the very good offices now. Some, about 10 of them or about five of them were reopened. A lot of them closed and didn't open again. But we'll make it unviable. There was no doubt about that. Now, we're
2: talking... What about the, the plans th- to maintain Bank of Ireland branch services through post offices? Could that th- well, therefore I mean, be in jeopardy?
7: It, it, it is. We, we, we're looking at that. We, it, it, you see, there's no arrangement yet. Uh, And there's no agreement made with Bank of Ireland yet. With Bank of Ireland, the company have, but we haven't uh, hammered out a deal yet with the company, you know. So basically, that's in jeopardy as well. But we want to say we want more and more and more work to survive, and then we don't get it. And we do need proper stuff because you might know the company policy all the time now is to do everything is online. And uh, to us, they get paid. People must come into the post office and deal on, at the counter. That's the only way it works. So it's
2: yeah, very and it's not now. like it's not like you, that you're looking for money for nothing. You're saying, give us the work and we'll do it.
7: At this stage now, coming up to uh, July, we want something now because, like, the work that you'll get now in the next month won't help you. But we definitely want some kind of... some kind of handout to keep us going. We want that now uh, in the next four weeks. Otherwise, well, people won't be able to survive. We just want to survive on that. I mean, any job that you lose 20% is serious, you know. Mm.
2: And this idea of an annual retainer payment, would that solve the problem, Paddy?
7: Yes, well, we are looking for that. We are looking for uh, 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 that and that is... uh, 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 um, we got that done first, and they looked at it, and 80%, uh, we did a red sea poll, and 85%, actually, of the people would would uh, would be behind They would have no problem with it. But you see, at this stage now, we have caught now between the, ha- the stone and the hard place. Like, we need money now, in the next month, to survive. Like... Uh, I know the government did nothing really for the three years. I know that you have the COVID as well. But I mean, they're talking now and they're trying to work out what they can give us. But uh, but, at this stage, we definitely want something done in the next month. I will hide the trouble, you know.
2: And you take the heart out of an area when you lose the post office, because in many rural villages, the last business standing is the post office.
7: No doubt in the world about it. We, we, you know, in, in uh, the whole, and you know, Caucus big, and I covered the whole county now for the union, you know. And I, I, know, I know nearly every postmaster in Caucity and County, and they're very decent, honourable people. And if it goes out, the village collapses. There's no doubt about that.
2: Okay, and the pandemic. I think, Paddy. I know you're saying the pandemic has affected the government and their plans to help out the post office or to get into any kind of negotiations with you. But the pandemic really showed how important the local post office was of in course, in all no, areas.
7: No doubt about it. And we people coming that we never had before. And and you know, but as well as that, you only the pandemic as well our stuff dropped because like you didn't you didn't do a lot of the things we usually do. Like you know, farm exchange. Uh, passports and all that kind of stuff. But the, but the one thing I want to say though, we need money in the next 12 months or uh, in the next four weeks because we are in dire straits. Worst ever now. I'm a postmaster with 40 years and this is definitely the worst I've seen. Okay, we all
2: right Paddy, to-
7: listen, thank you for that. Thank you very much.
2: Thank you for that and hopefully the government um, are and and will listen to you. But thank you for joining us. That is uh, Paddy O'Shea of Upper Ahada uh, Post Office. I think uh, summing up how tough it is at the moment for many of the smaller rural post offices and, and people get very upset. And very worried if they hear any sort of suggestion that they might lose their post office. But well, Paddy, again, making the point, it is a case of use it or lose it. If you're doing something online that can be done at your local post office, then you need to switch and go into the post office and make sure you're physically walking in there and doing the uh, job. 1850 I mentioned passports earlier on. When somebody was asking about Passport Express that we've since it's still on hold, they're not doing Passport Express, but you can do passport online. And it says if you go on to the Department of Foreign Affairs who do the passports, it says that some of the passports can take between six and eight weeks. But if it's a straightforward renewal of a passport, they they seem to be doing some of them really really quickly and Anne in us says Patricia I applied online at 11am on Thursday morning the 24th of May I had my passport in the post the following day Friday the 25th now I did also order a European travel card but, and that hasn't arrived yet but my actual physical passport was there within 24 hours there is a service for you and the European travel card I know that that takes uh, longer because I'm sure that that's out sourced somewhere where, where they print and produce that but that is a fantastic service so don't be deterred somebody who has a passport that's out of date or is due to go out of date and you're thinking oh because we're hearing about delays because of COVID you can still do your passport by doing it online. And thank you, Anne, in Charleville uh, for that. And I don't know if you're getting the passport because you're planning on travelling or not, if you are safe travels. 1850 333 103. And Lehman Broff was on when he heard me mention about the amount of money that the HSE expects to spend in getting the over the cyber attack that happened uh, on the HSE. Liam says, is there any watchdog in this country um, w- on what the government departments spend? Or is it Europe are watching them? Hearing the government and the HSE spending €100 million Euro to solve the problem that was created by the hackers, that is a huge amount of uh, money. And I hate to be the bearer of bad news uh, to you, Liam, but the €100 million is a kind of a guesstimate on behalf of Paul Read of the HSE. It could even cost more. And remember that none of that money was by way of a ransom. That's just paying to sort out the system to try to get everything back up running and online. And we need to get that back up and running and online as quickly as possible because so much of the health all of the health service was affected uh, by it but things like cancer patients uh, have uh, suffered and outpatients and people who have been waiting for appointments for many many months suddenly their appointments and many years in some cases their appointments got uh, cancer. so it will be money well well spent it's unfortunate that the department has to pay that money but it has to be spent uh, sooner rather than later thank you for your call uh, Lee you can text our whatsapp 0862 103
3: today
4: on C103. With Sean Cusack Insurance's Kinsale. Now part of McCarthy Insurance Group. for motor, home, business, farm, life and health insurance, cmig.ie.
2: I'm just a couple of texts in on post offices. A listener says, I know how important the post office is to a local area, but it's impossible for people who are working to get to a post office as they are at work all day. Times have changed. That's why people move more online. And then Mary says, I pay all of my bills at the post office office. They took away our bank in Newmarket. The post office is the only financial institute we have left. You now have to go to CanTurk. If you want to check how much is in your bank account, you can not check it at the bank link in Newmarket, uh, says Mary, who would be lost without the post office that is there. Thank you for your text to 0862 103 103. Now a fundraising committee has been set up to help the Noonan family in Glamworth following a devastating fire at the family Home that happened last Wednesday. Uh, Nicole Newman Noonan uh, joins me. Good morning to you, Nicole. Good morning, Patricia. And is it Nicole or Nicola? Nicole. It's Nicole. I've got your name right. OK, now this was your mother's house, Nicole, uh, your mother, uh, Michelle. Can you outline what happened last Wednesday? Um, so,
8: Mum um, had left the house early that morning and... Um, my brother left uh, later. He was going and um, doing a few jobs with my cousin for the day. Um, and my neighbours heard our fire alarm going off and um, they kind of were like, you know, <laughs> everyone's got kind of a fire alarm because off in the kitchen at the time. So it was somebody who was outside and they spotted the smoke coming out of the house. Um, and one of our neighbours rang the fire brigade and the other rang my mom. So when my mom got the phone call, she was like, well, I think you have the wrong number, you know, and they're like, no, no, you know, it's, uh, your house is on fire, i and um, So uh, they asked if there anybody in the house or whatever, and my mum was all up in the heat, you know, and she didn't know if my brother had gone back home or where he was, but thankfully all was a she just lost the phone from him. So she had rang me, would I go up? And it was an absolute horrifying to arrive up there and to see our house on fire, and you <laughs> couldn't do anything to stop it, you know. Um, the fire brigade was um, waiting, or was en route at that point. Um, they were in contact all the time. It genuinely felt like the longest time waiting for them. Um, the fire started inside the front door. Um, it um, either is electrical fault, but it happened from a box or a socket. We're not entirely sure if that's the initial report. Um you know, I suppose everything is destroyed. and um, the only thing we can take from it really is that nobody was hurt, you know.
2: Yeah, thank God for that there was nobody in the house, but it just shows as well how easily a fire can start and how quickly it can take hold.
8: Yeah, like the fire brigade had told us, you know, that if there if it was in the middle of the night and if there's somebody in the house who wouldn't have came out of it like which is quite terrifying
2: doesn't even bear uh, think, thinking about. So thankfully, nobody was injured and everything that was destroyed, uh, n- uh, Nicole, can be uh, re- re- replaced. So w- was were you, Was your mum uh, able to save anything or has, has everything been destroyed?
8: Um, everything was destroyed from smoke, burning and water damage, I suppose, as well from the fire hoses. You know, the fire brigade, we genuinely couldn't thank them enough. They were absolutely brilliant. And there was a guard there, and they were so good. You know, like, my, my brother is only 15. And I suppose he kind of was so upset and so, you know, like, of course. But, he, you know, he was saying that if I was at home, I could have stopped it. But the reality of it is they said that he would not have been able to stop it. And he could have got seriously hurt, you know. And that's quite, you know... Terrifying, and I suppose we have to, you know, watch him and look after my mom, and you know, him, and you know, as well, because it is quite horrible for him, you know.
2: Okay, so where, so who? It's your mother lives in the house with your brother, and is there another sibling there as well?
8: Um, she's actually living in England with the last year, and um, she moved over, so it's quite hard for her. You know, as well. but, you know where we all grew up, and it, she, you know, can't come home, you know, to be around her family and stuff, but. Look, you know, um, everything is destroyed—memories, photos. But you know, hopefully, in a couple of months' time, she can make more memories in the house. You know, it's it's sad.
2: Absolutely, and it's horrible, absolutely. You know? So, where where is your mother and your brother living now?
8: Uh, they're living with my nan.
2: Okay, so uh, they they have yeah. a place to live. So yeah, it's you know, the house is going to have to be totally refurbished. Okay. I'm assuming. Um, the has she has she fire insurance
8: um it, it, it like they repair the the damages just the contents aren't you know so like you know all the furniture and all that is is ruined
2: so will the fire but will, will the insurance cover everything obviously not no no, no. So that, that's why this fundraiser has been set up
8: uh yeah um if people a couple of people from glamour set it up you know they got in contact with us, you know, obviously to see if it was, you know, okay. And they just asked me, did they, would they mind if I went, you know, on and spoke about it a bit. That was hard, but look, it helped, you know.
2: Yeah, absolutely. And you need to, I mean, I'm thinking clothes, like everything.
8: Everything is gone, yeah. And my brother kept, you know, like even you, you know, you don't think about things even like, you know, everybody to these shoes inside the door, so they're all gone, you know, like everything is gone, you know, they've had to, they've literally walked out of their home after 16 years with nothing.
2: Oh, dreadful. It is really, it is really, really is um, a dreadful, and do you know how long it will take to refurbish um, the house? Well, I mean, do you, will will your mum need to rent in the meantime? Can she continue living with your gran? I am, she can live
8: with my nan for now, but she's going to have to, you know, it's it's hard being on top of the nine as well, because she'll have to go and rent again. You know, so she'll have to be she'll have to go in somewhere else. You know, because it'll take a couple of months. You know, so
2: okay, yeah, all right. How can people donate to the fund, Nicole?
8: And um, so a group has set up, um, you know, a GoFundMe. So you know, times are tough, and every um, you know every donation means you know something. You know, and it's whatever. And you know, if businesses want to. to so donate furniture or help out in any way, then there's a number on the GoFundMe page and you can contact um Jason and he'll, you know, um, help
2: you that way. Yeah, because it's because of the times we're in, you can't even, normally when I'd be doing interviews like this, Nicole, we'd be talking about, oh, there's going to be a coffee morning or there's going to be a dance or there's going to be, you know, events would be organised. But of course, we can't have any of those events. So we're purely relying on people to, to give whatever they can and as you say with any of these GoFundMe uh, pages I've always noticed when, I, when I've when i been looking at them it's all the small donations mount up you know the 10 exactly. and the 20s it would be great if businesses came on board but those small amounts will all mount up
8: Exactly yeah and everything every little bit will help
2: Okay and have you what's the name on the on the GoFundMe page?
8: Um, It's Help uh, Michelle Refurbish Her Home
2: help Michelle refurbish her home. It's Listen, will you pass our on time. our best wishes?
8: We will, have, I will, of course. Thank you so much.
2: Pass on our best wishes to your mum, uh, Michelle, and, and to your brother. And please, God, it will be sooner rather than later. She'll be back in her home. And as you say, she will start to create all those uh, memories uh, again, but it's it's tough. And wish your, your younger brother as well, uh, bless his heart, wish him the best. Listen, Nicole, thanks a million for joining us. Thank you. Thanks for that. That's uh, Nicole uh, Noonan speaking on behalf of her mum, Michelle. Uh, I mean, it's got to be the worst thing in the world to be out and to get a phone call to say that your house is on fire and then to go back and discover it is all completely uh, destroyed. Uh, so we wish uh, Michelle uh, the very best of luck in the future. A lot of people having huge sympathy for what happened to the Noonan family in Glamworth and uh, people saying just how easy and how quick a house fire can start. At least the smoke alarm went off, if they've been in the house. Uh, The smoke alarm would have alerted them, uh, but just showing the importance of uh, smoke alarms as well. And thankfully, nobody was injured. Okay, we need to take a break. We have news at 12 midday on the way. We're going to talk with uh, Joe Hefflin in the next hour. We're continuing uh, to discuss uh, self-harm and we'll catch up with your calls and comments all coming up after news at 12.
3: Cork Today on C103.
4: With Sean Cusack Insurance's Kinsale. Now part of McCarthy Insurance Group. Want great advice? You know who to talk to. CMIG.ie. You're listening to Cork Today on replay. Phone and text lines are currently closed.
2: A couple of people have been on to us about AstraZeneca, two kind of different uh, issues. Uh, One listener Anne says, Patricia, have you any news on AstraZeneca? The second dose, as I heard yesterday there was a chance that we may get Pfizer or Moderna instead of AstraZeneca for the second dose. Uh, We feel we got the yellow pack vaccine. I'm in my 60s, Suzanne, and, and I hate when I hear anybody saying it's the yellow pack vaccine. It isn't. The AstraZeneca is a wonderful, wonderful vaccine. The issue with AstraZeneca and the second doses is to do with younger people and it's to do with over in England where they've given it way more AstraZeneca I think than any other vaccine and the problem that has come up is in younger people under the age of 30 they have had uh, an increase 15 in total was the last number I saw out of millions of vaccines of people of these rare very rare blood clots but it was in younger people so NIAC is obviously our Immunisation Group they're looking at the evidence that's coming out of England because England are ahead of us in the vaccine so we can look at their real world data to make any decisions so no decisions has been made they say they may offer a second dose of either the Pfizer or the Moderna but I think reading what Nayak was saying at the weekend it would be in the younger cohort but there's absolutely please don't be thinking that you're getting a yellow pack vaccine you're not it's a really good vaccine and it would protect you from COVID and that's what we're trying to do with the vaccines. And then Linda has a different issue about the AstraZeneca. Linda says, I'm 69. I do have an autoimmune condition. I got my first jab at the end of March and nothing since. Everyone around me is fully vaccinated, even some people under the age of 50, but not me, says uh, Linda. And there are a lot of people who are, you've got to wait. Okay, the end of March, so end of April, end of May, end of June, you've got another Four weeks, possibly, uh, Linda, to wait to get the call because we know there's a 12-month gap in between, a 12-week gap, should I say, in between getting your first AstraZeneca and getting your last. And that's, I think, what a lot of people see as the downside to the AstraZeneca, even though when you have the first one, you are building immunity all of the time. But people are worried because of the Indian variant, and it seems you don't have as much protection against that one as you do against the original strain and the Kent strain. I think that's what's causing anxiety. But you know, Paul Reed from the HSE, who's responsible for rolling out of the vaccine, said they're rel- they're waiting to see will NIAC make a decision on that. Because again, if you look across the water in the UK, they have rolled back on the twelve week gap and they've brought it back to eight weeks to offer the second dose to people. Will they do the same here? They may. And if they do, Linda, then you'll be getting your call sooner rather than later. But failing that, you have to hang in there. You've got probably another four weeks to go, but you're not on your own. There's a lot of people waiting who would have got it at the end of March who are waiting the 12 weeks but I don't think I've heard of anyone who's waited more than the 12 weeks because I've certainly, I'm hearing of a number of people this week who were due to get their second dose of AstraZeneca and they certainly were getting it this week. So they are, they're definitely working through the second second dose, but you're just going to have to wait until your 12 weeks are up. And I know that's very frustrating when you've got other people around you who have been fully vaccinated, particularly people, say, in their 50s and younger who might have got a Johnson & Johnson jab, which is one jab, and then after two weeks they're fully vaccinated and I know people are frustrated. And then anecdotally, we have been hearing, certainly over the last probably month, from people saying, oh, I know of a GP that gave a vaccine to somebody and they're only in their 30s or they're only in their 20s and how did they get it? And, uh, and I was always defending the GPs in saying that you don't know the underlying health condition that somebody has because GPs at the moment are allowed to give out vaccines to people aged 16 to 50. As long as they're not in the age co- the cohorts that people were registering themselves, but they had to have underlying health conditions. They were people in what was called cohort four and cohort uh, seven. And I was always defending GPs and I really don't believe that GPs are just, you know, pulling people in going here I'm going to give you a jab there usually is an underlying health condition I know for example I was speaking to somebody who was having that conversation with me saying oh, I know of somebody who got a a, a jab and they are only in their 30s and here am I in my 50s and still waiting for mine and when we when I asked them further about the person, did they have an underlying health condition? And it turns out the person did have an underlying health condition and that's why they got the injection, including people who are overweight because obesity came into cohort four and to cohort seven and people might like to admit that they got a phone call from their doctor because they had a high BMI but they were at greater risk if they picked up COVID and ended up in hospital and that's why they were put into cohort four and uh, cohort seven. But I am reading today that GPs are now being given the authority to move down the age groups if, only if, they have surplus COVID-19 vaccines. Um, The HSE said yesterday that there is a protocol in place to ensure zero wastage policy policy of vaccines. So HSC spokespersons say that what happens is GPs will provide an estimate for the numbers of cohort 4 or cohort 7 patients that they believe that they have and that determines then their vaccination allocation. Obviously the vaccination allocation arrives and the GPs and the practice nurses and everybody involved in in the practice will start to administer to the patients in, for, in cohort four or cohort seven. But there has been and there will be times where they'll end up with surplus uh, vaccines. So the HSE are saying if that happens in a practice and they thought that they were going to be giving, say, 50 vaccines out on Saturday and lo and behold, they discover they only have 42 patients that need the vaccines because maybe some people already got them by registering online themselves, then they now have the right, GPs now have the right to move down the age groups and they can ring up people and say, do you want a vaccine? And they can invite uh, people in. And a spokesperson actually for the HSE rejected claims that some counties are getting more vaccines faster than others because this, again, is something that we hear from people where you'll hear from somebody that say, I've got cousins in Tipperary or I've got family living in Galway and they seem to be getting way more vaccines than we are getting. The HSE say that is simply not correct. All the information across the system, their vaccine system, indicates an even distribution of the vaccine right throughout the uh, country. They say in some cases, people will be directed to centres beyond their nearest centre if it's possible to schedule their vaccine at an earlier date and God knows we know that's happened here we've had people who've left the county to go to back to Killarney and back to Chile to get a vaccine we heard of people from Cork who went to Waterford who went to Limerick they say they're doing that in order to just speed up uh, the process but they say it meets the overall uh, objectives of ensuring that people are vaccinated as quickly as possible. They also point out that with different population sizes and uptakes it's inevitable that in some areas there will be time gaps and it will look like some areas are working through age groups faster because they may have lesser of a particular uh, age group and some people at high risk of COVID-19 whose GP is not involved in the vaccination process and we certainly have had calls in about uh, this. They unfortunately are facing delays because they're hoping to open up a portal particularly for people in Cohort 7 which is about 300,000 people and the GPs, some GPs decided no we did enough with the over 70s, we did enough with Cohort 4, don't want to get involved in Cohort 7. Some GPs decided not to get involved because they were getting abuse from some of their patients who were ringing up saying why am i why are you not giving me a vaccine and it wasn't the gp's fault and they just felt they didn't want to get involved uh, in it and then some of those people have fallen between two stools particularly if they are the younger cohort in Cohort 7 because they haven't been able to register online when their age group came up because that hasn't opened uh, yet. And the HSE were going to open up a special portal for people with underlying conditions if they hadn't received their vaccine from their GP or their GP said they weren't going to be giving it and they were going to allow them to register themselves. But because of the cyber attack... This is the one place where it has affected the vaccines. Uh, they have not been able to uh, to do that. And there are people falling between uh, the stools, which I, I do feel really, really sorry for them. But GPs now will be allowed to go down and give them to younger uh, people. And that obviously now will be people under the age of 40 because anybody over 40 now from this week will be able to register and get their uh, vaccine. So that may be some good news for some uh, younger people. Now, other texts that are coming into us uh, today. Somebody says, do you know if the birth, debts and marriages office is open in Mallow? I don't but hopefully somebody listening might know. Birth, deaths and marriages, obviously somebody needs to pick pick up a certificate. Is it open in Mallow? Mary wants to know if anybody can contact us and let us know, please. 1850 uh, 333 103. Hi Patricia, isn't it interesting to hear Leo Varadkar uh, telling us all, and the powers that be, telling us all we need to move outdoors. And then Leo saying, actually there's bad weather next uh, week. Uh, won't, people won't want to go out. Isn't that great for people in the industry who've been told they're going to have to do outdoor dining and outdoor drinking. Certainly the weather doesn't look like it's going to play ball for the hospitality sector with outdoors. Patricia on Malcolm Byrne who was on the news uh, who was, no, he was on one of the Virgin Media programmes, wasn't it, uh, last night. He was an absolute disgrace. It was on the Tonight Show. Thank you. He was, I felt he was an absolute disgrace uh, last night with these comments he made about young people they were an absolute disgrace over the weekend and a senator making excuses for them. I hope that Mihol Martin, his leader, has a word in his ear today. Those young people Ooh, God love them, have been locked up. Never mind the older people. Fianna Fáil need to remember who votes for them. It is predominantly older uh, people. At the end of the day, young people have time to go to off licences, but they don't vote for Fianna Fáil, says this uh, texter. Someone else says the way young people have been forgotten about in this uh, this country, uh, they will never forgive us for it and they won't forget. Someone else is picking up in a comment that was made about nursing homes. This was an earlier comment where somebody said that we should have been vaccinating the younger people and not gone into the nursing homes. The argument being made was that people in nursing homes weren't going out and about so therefore they would be safer even though I said look what happened in the first wave. But somebody's saying it should have been the younger people were done first, not the people in the nursing homes. Thank God I don't have anyone in a nursing home, says this listener. I'm in my 40s. But I think that person who mentioned that the older people should have been last on the list for the uh, vaccine. Are we basically saying to them that we're going to leave them die? I felt that comment was a disgrace. We all saw what the virus did to people in nursing homes. What a selfish, selfish comment to make, says a uh, listener. Margaret, who joined us earlier, who was trying to see both sides, says that lady is talking through her hat. When we were young, once we respected uh, others, uh, it won't be What we're asking young people to do, it won't be forever. Hi Patricia, there should be toilets near every seaside. The council, I feel, are failing the public because we don't have enough public toilets. It's a disgrace, uh, particularly if you go anywhere near a beach. And I just want to bring you one more text that really does to me uh, sum up what this this particular pandemic has done uh, to people. And this has come in from a listener who got this following text in from a friend of theirs who was talking the C one oh three. Who was talking about a friend of theirs and this person says, I have a friend aged sixty three. who used to do a bit of dancing. Uh, She worked part time living in the countryside. Her children are now adults and they all live overseas in other countries. Therefore, they didn't get home for Christmas due to the lockdowns. She was having cancer treatment and that wasn't great. Uh, She then lost her part time job and she had to sell her car. Very lonely and very sad. She said to me she'd no reason to live on as she said... Everything has been taken away from me by this government and by well, the pandemic, I think, rather than the government. But anyway, the person said that she had no freedom, no dancing, no friends, nowhere to go. She sadly passed away 16 days ago. Isn't that dreadful? Isn't that just dreadful? And you think of that person's children who would have been overseas and didn't even get home to be with their mother at uh, for their last christmas it's it's dreadful and that unfortunately is a very sad reality that's happened to so many people in this country uh, may that lovely lady rest in peace
3: this is the court today replay on C103
2: And catching up with some of your texts. Hi Patricia, listening to your programme this morning with all the sympathy that you're giving to younger people I feel that you're giving them a licence to go out stronger now than uh, ever before says a a listener. Someone else says, hi Patricia, I'm wondering could you put out a shout out please to anybody out there who got the AstraZeneca did anybody feel down and depressed after it? I haven't heard of that. I've heard of many side effects but uh, no, I mean it could be just generally you're feeling down because of what everybody is going through but let's see did anybody directly linking it to an AstraZeneca shot. Hi Patricia um, love your programme thank you very much uh, listening in to you from Letterkenny in Donegal if you wouldn't mind saying a special mention to a very special lady please it's my first cousin Josie O'Connor She's formerly of Lumberdstown and she's now living in Castle Crescent on the St Joseph's Road in Mallow. And guess what? She's 99 years young today. Happy birthday to her. I'm thinking of her and hopefully we will get to see her soon. She's my only first cousin left on my late... Dad's side of the family. Thanking you, Patricia. And that's from Marie Bowler, formerly of Fremont, now listening to us in Letterkenny. Good to have you along, Marie, and hoping everybody is well in Letterkenny and that it won't be too long until you're able to get down and particularly to see your cousin Josie. And this time next year, this day next year, you'll certainly be down for the big one when Josie, please God, will be celebrating her 100th uh, birthday. Now, during the week... We were, or it was last week, wasn't it? It was, it was breathing, it was on last uh, Friday. We were talking about the condition of the Annabella roundabout. It's the main roundabout in Mallow where the structure of the horses used to be, you know, the two horsemen meeting up at the crossroads of Munster and of course they did work at Annabella Roundabout. That structure had to be, sculpture had to be removed and then the laws had changed about the the about the height that a sculpture could be in a roundabout so therefore Cork County Council were not allowed to put back up the sculpture back on the roundabout and it's now further down the road uh, instead. And instead, they did a bit of landscaping and they put up some letterings, Mallow spelt out in red letters and some flowers and shrubs and bushes and whatever. And our breather from Mallow was on and was giving out wallops, as was others. She wasn't done a role about the condition of the roundabout at the moment. And I was wondering, because there was roadworks going on, could that be the reason why they're not doing anything with the roundabout anyway? We said we would get on to Cork County Council to see if they could give us any indication as to when they were going to do some work on the roundabout. Cork County Council came back to us and said they are aware of the road traffic incident that happened a number of months ago which damaged part of the Annabella roundabout including the sculptured lettering because that's what Breather said. There was an accident there and they knocked over some of the letters and nothing was done. In the interest of public safety and to protect against further damage to the letterings of one of the mallow sculptures, the damaged lettering was removed. The second mallow lettering sculpture is still in place. Cork County Council are currently engaged in a process to assess fully the extensive damage done to the sculpture and the resultant restoration works. In recent weeks, the Council's local roads office has carried out extensive planting on the roundabout. Further planting is scheduled shortly, which once established should greatly enhance the visual impression of the roundabout. So it's not that they're ignoring the roundabout. They're very aware of it and they have plans in place. So hopefully that will please breathe and others driving through Mada who are giving out about the condition of the roundabout. And a lot of people were Saying the further down one, which is under the remit of Dairy Gold, how well-maintained that one is. So good to know that the roundabout is going to be looked after. Tom says, Patricia, would you give a mention, please, to the drive-in concert of live uh, music that is happening in Araglen Community Field? It's next Monday, the Bank Holiday. It features Pat Daly, Michael Cahill and Declan Ainger. It's on from half past two. Entry will be €10 at the gate uh, so that hopefully, and if it doesn't matter what the weather's going to be like, because you'll be all sitting in your cars enjoying that, and you know the way we're always trying to get some kind of a positive out of the pandemic here is one that I think is possibly a positive with regards to children in school, and God knows we know our children missed out on so much education because of the pandemic and missed out on just being in school with their peers, be it from primary right through to secondary. And indeed, we we'll would be touching on it with college students uh, as well. But the one thing that picked up certainly after the first lockdown was remote learning. So according to the Department of Education, they're now saying an end to school closures due to snow, bad weather, Or any other unexpected reasons could be on the cards. And we all know, we all know ourselves when we went to school, if there was a snow day, you had no school or there was flooding in a particular area or when there was very bad storms and schools would close. Well, the department now are saying that they want the technology similar to what has been used during the COVID-19 crisis to be used by teachers and special needs assistants in the future, to provide remote learning and supports to children when any of these circumstances arrive. If there's if there's a bad snow and the children can't make it into school, then that's OK. We'll just revert to online instead. The proposed reforms are set out in a new action plan, which is linked to the Public Service Pay Agreement, which was reached between the government and the trade unions in December. So we will watch with interest on that one. But it could be the end, the the absolute end of school closures going forward because the technology now is in place and we know schools have very successfully done distant learning. It's not ideal. Parents will say it's not ideal. But if it was only for a day or two, because when we get snow days, usually it's only for a day or two or a bad storm. The school's going to be closed for a day or two. Isn't it better that the children will have all these online tools and they have all the learning apps and the infrastructure is in place and they'll move to uh, remote learning instead? So let's wait and see what comes out from the Department of Education. Because looking across the water, at the Department of Education in the UK. They are talking about the school day in the UK being extended by a half an hour. It's under a £15 billion sterling COVID rescue plan and it's to help Britain's children to catch up after months of disrupted uh, education. It seems it's a leaked uh, report. But what they're talking about doing is that every single child will receive an extra 100 hours of schooling every year from 2022 with a minimum of a 35-hour week. Now, what what their proposal is looking at at the moment is that schools will have a degree of freedom as to how they choose to extend the day. But if you add it 100 hours evenly every day across the school year in Britain, it would work out of the children being in school for an extra half an hour every day. Now, they also say that teachers would be paid more for the work. But when I was reading up on that from the, the London Times, it just got me thinking, I wonder how people would feel here. I mean, a lot of parents do feel that their children missed out on education and some parents will tell you that they feel, you know, their children have fallen back. Maybe they've fallen back on reading or they've fallen back on maths. Others say that their children took to remote learning like ducks to water and they got on fine with it. And actually some parents say that their children loved the idea of the peace and the quiet of of being at home and that they actually learned more. Well, I think for the majority, everybody accepts it's better to have the children back in the classroom. But there definitely has been some slippage, not for all children, as I say, just for some. So I wonder how parents and indeed, obviously, you'd have to get the teachers buy into this, how parents would feel if The school day was extended by a half an hour every day, and it would start as I say from next year. But going forward, it's going to remain in place in uh, Britain. One wonders how Irish parents and teachers would feel about that. Our lines are open 1850 333 103. We're going to take a quick break, and we're back chatting with Joe Heffernan.
0: Court today. Enjoy fast shipping options like guaranteed free shipping and returns. Make this Mother's Day unforgettable with a piece from Blue Nile. Right now, get up to 50% off at BlueNile.com. That's BlueNile.com.
6: When you make decisions for your company, you look for the no-brainers. And if you have a lot of mailing to do, Stamps.com is the ultimate no-brainer. It streamlines your processes to make your business more efficient, which makes you less busy.
4: On C103. With Sean Cusack Insurance's Kinsale. Now part of McCarthy Insurance Group. For motor, home, business, farm, life, and health insurance, CMIG.ie.
2: This is the Court Today replay on C103. And just seeing some breaking news, you know, the the Cabinet is today uh, approving the new economic plan of where we go forward and how we get out of the pandemic and how we pay for the pandemic. Well, the Cabinet have agreed that owners of new homes built since 2013 will now have to pay local property tax as part of the new economic recovery plan and that's not going to come as very good news to people in those new homes who haven't been paying property tax today. So So any new homes built since 2013 will now pay local property tax. 1850 333 103. Lines are open. It's Tuesday afternoon, Joe. Heffernan uh, joins me. Good afternoon to you Joe. Good afternoon Patricia. And you are very welcome and we are continuing to talk about self-harming and as we promised last week we're giving advice to parents and uh, guardians when a young person is self-harming because it must be one of the most scariest thing for a parent to discover that their young person is self-harming and I suppose the question that parents will ask immediately Joe is why does a young person do it?
9: Yeah well uh, uh, the the young person, obviously, is um, uh, trying to deal with a problem, uh, as we said last week, in a very inappropriate way. But the young person feels that this relieves the problem. Um, it can be a problem uh, with um, uh, a group of friends. It can be an argument that happened at home um, and is troubling the young person. Uh, it can be an argument between parents that the young person is, um, you know, deeply worried about. It can be um, feeling anger or feeling uh, shame about something or other. Um, so um, then the the young person who has no um, appropriate way of dealing with the problem, namely, talking it out with someone um they can resort to self harm and um it's very important then um for for the for a parent to you know to to observe that if um if a young person um is obviously quite down or quite anxious or quite upset or has changed habits uh, rather dramatically that um uh, for example, from maybe being a bubbly young person to being very silent um that uh it's so important to ask you know how are you what's wrong um and to encourage very much encourage the person um to to talk about it. Um, no, it could be something that to the young person is huge, and to the adult, to the parent, we'll say, um, might seem um, uh, to be uh, not such a huge issue. But remember that to the young person, it is, and therefore to treat it with respect, it could be an so argument. don't trivialise
2: what friends. the young person is saying
9: yeah big time um because like uh, a thing that i have come across uh, again and again and again and again down through the years um would be uh falling out, falling out with friends um the person was in a group of friends and now feels excluded um uh and that is so so hurtful um uh i i'm uh, uh, not being um, gender-biased or anything towards it it's just in my own experience down through the years, girls especially, um, where there was a group of friends and where suddenly the person feels excluded from that group of friends. Um, uh, the person can feel really, really, really hurt and very, very upset and... Um, you know they need then to be listened to, um in a in a in an empathic way of like not for example you forget about him, that just doesn't work. the The young person can't, in inverted commas, forget about him. Um, it's like, how are you feeling? Why do you think that happened? And you know to to listen in a way that encourages the young person uh, to talk and. Uh, and, and we've been
2: discussing be... this morning almost the generation divide between young and uh, old people and, you know, young people that need when you're young to be out with your friends. And, you yeah. know, there was some criticism of too many people going out at the weekend and all of that. But it's very difficult for young people, isn't it, when you know, when they want to be out and about with their friends?
9: Oh, yeah. It's completely unnatural. I mean, you know, this business of being cooped up um, at home uh when when the in the normal uh, you know way of life um young people would be meeting up with with their friends um with 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 people around the same uh, age yeah it's 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 completely uh, against our uh, our nature to be uh the way we are at the moment. I mean, I would include our adults, of course. I think we're all a little bit fed up of it, but what can you do? Only do the best you can to keep yourself and loved ones safe. But, um, yeah, it's very tough on young people. And unfortunately then, unfortunately what happens is that some young people, now a great minority, but some young people resort to self-harming. And you might well say, um, and how does that help? Well, you know, the the self injury can help the young person to feel a bit more in control, to feel more alive, like and my own um experience of chatting with younger people would be that it would be a distraction. Um uh, for for some moments or time of the day, I'm not concentrating on whatever the issue is that's really troubling me, like the the ones we mentioned above. Um, so uh, that represents a kind of a relief. And um, you and me and uh, most people would say there has to be a better way, and there is, and the way is. Um, as we always say, uh, if you discover that your child is self-harming, a chat with the GP. Um, uh, biggest thing of all, a chat with the child. But if that's not working, then maybe to seek professional help. And um, as I've said, um, the IACP, there's two and a half thousand of them there. You'll probably find someone pretty close to home. Um, and one of the most important things of all would be not to lose the head, to like, to not to not go like, oh my god! And um, you know, uh, it is reassuring for people to hear that um, uh, that uh, self harming is not an attempted at suicide. Now, that's not to say that someone who self harmed would would not. Um, at some stage, uh, take their own life. Of, of course, anyone, um, no one is totally and utterly and completely immune to that. Um, mm. uh, the years, you know, the is it
2: possible that yeah? a young person is self-harming and a parent wouldn't be aware of it?
9: Yeah, well, the one thing that the parent would be aware of, I think, would be a, a, an unhappy child um uh I, I i think it would be an amazing thing if a child who was uh deeply unhappy unhappy enough to the point of self-harming to be able to hide that mood change uh, from from parents who uh, I, I don't think you'd have to be super observant um to to realize that there's something wrong you know with most of us um uh, if we're chatting among ourselves carrying out our ordinary day, you know, you'd notice you might say to someone, partner, wife, husband, we we'll might say, How are things with you today? You seem a little bit down. Now, the very same way, um, with a child in the family that um you know, uh Joe or Mary or Jim or Susan uh, seems a little bit down these times. So, um, you know, to to broach that subject um, in a non uh, you know in a way that would be acceptable to the young person, like how are things, um, and and to to say it, you seem to be a bit down these times, is there something wrong? And if it was it's brilliant then if the young person would say, yeah, um, you know, my best friend there, um, we've had a falling out. Um, you know i'm not getting any texts i'm not getting any replies to um you know whatever way the person would be communicating with the with the friend um and that can be so upsetting and uh, to treat it uh, seriously and uh, to treat it in a way in a, in a respectful way um and not to be dismissive of it we talked there a long time ago uh, patricia about um what did we call it? Um, toxic positivity. Uh, like yeah. a person doesn't want to hear, you'll be grand. Forget about it. You'll be grand. A p- person doesn't want to hear about that. Well, the, 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 that kind of a response. What they want to hear is, how do you feel? Well, what happened? Um, you know that a person is actively listening um, to what is um, troubling the the young person. And I've also spoken down through the years to quite a lot of young people who were self-harming and who stopped. So you know, it isn't the case of recovery, um,
2: is, recovery is possible which I think is always important when we're having yeah. discussions like this that recovery yeah. is and and can be possible. Somebody's saying, would Joe consider a, an eating disorder self-harm?
1: I
9: would, yeah, yeah. yeah most definitely that is self-harming um it's uh you know uh anything that is damaging to your 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 mental or physical well-being uh, is uh, can be termed indeed uh self-harming without a doubt yeah
2: yeah. Okay. Uh, yeah. Yeah. But it's and it's, it's it's listening, and that can be hard though with younger people because younger people, particularly teenagers, I'm thinking about now, can go through a phase of not wanting to open up, not wanting to talk. But that's the parents' role then is to keep those lines of communication going.
9: You couldn't say it better to keep the lines of communication open, and then um, uh, a chat with the GP to urge the young person to go to the GP, or to pick up the phone probably following the visit to the GP um, uh, to any one of those um, um, 2,500 ISCP-accredited counsellors. It it often helps the young person uh, to talk to someone who is, as it were, outside of the family system. And um, I always say to young people, you know, um, I won't be running out after our session to mum or dad to say, uh, do you know what Mary said? We make a deal that um, unless it's something that a parent would need to know, in other words, if there was some uh, danger to the child, well then, um, you know, it isn't a case of running with every tittle-tattle, in fact, no tittle-tattle at all. Um, And I think that gives the young person um uh more freedom to talk, you know?
2: And you create confidence. Okay, you've got some phone lines uh, for people listening if people want to get some additional help and support.
9: Yeah. There's the the um the website yourmentalhealth.ie there's the childline 1 There's 666 666 there's aware 1890 303 302 there's Teen Line Ireland um, the website teenline.ie but there's also one eight hundred eight three three six three four. 634 there's the Jigsaw website and as you mentioned um, to do with um, a, a, an eating disorder uh, situation there's Bodywise now just at the top of my head at the moment I don't have the Bodywise number knowing no, you, know, I, I you have probably it here. do
2: I have it here it's oh one oh one. 2107906. And they also have a really good email support service. It's alex at bodywise.ie. And always remember when you're contacting Bodywise, it's W H Y S. It's that kind of a, of a Y as opposed to wise, bodywise.ie. Uh, okay, we leave it there and uh, we'll talk to you again next week, uh, Joe. In the meantime, thank you for that. Stay safe and uh, thanks for joining us on the program.
9: And likewise, Patricia, you and yours.
2: Good afternoon to you. Good afternoon. Okay, Joe can be contacted. His number is 086 834 8145. That's 086 834 8145. And that's where I wrap it up for today. Somebody was asking about the dating app that we mentioned yesterday. What's it called? It's called Catch with a K, -K K-A-T-C-H. I'll talk to you tomorrow at 10. Thanks to John Paul McNamara for producing and Ken Perrett was on sound. Until tomorrow at 10, I'm Patricia Messenger. Good afternoon and stay safe.